If you would take your Bible and turn to Psalms 23 once again. <clears throat> Psalm 23, <clears throat> and I'm going to read the entire psalm. We're really going to pick up at verse 2. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The title of this tonight simply, Our Shepherd Leads Us. Our Shepherd Leads Us. And as we considered, of course, last week we looked at you know, the the provision of the shepherd being contented. The words, my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. We talk about the requirements uh, necessary for sheep to lie down. They need to be satisfied without contention, uh, without fear. And I can't remember what the fourth one was. Huh? Without hunger. There you go. Anyway, uh, so... All those things are true in our life as well. But tonight he says, he maketh me, he leadeth me beside the still waters. Sheep are 70% water. Humans are just about two. Humans, up to 60% of the human body, adult body is water, according to a guy by the name of Mitchell in the Journal of Biological Chemistry. The brain and heart compose 73% water. So if you want a good brain, you have to drink a lot of water, I guess. Lungs are about 83% water. Skin is 64%. Muscles and kidneys are 79 And even the bones are 31% water. Uh, but it says here that he leadeth me beside the still waters. Uh, water, of course, is required to maintain normal body metabolism, healthy cells, determines vitality, strength, vigor. It's just essential to the health and general well-being of sheep and human beings. Uh, and, of course, we're made aware of our need for water by thirst. When, when sheep become thirsty, they become restless, and they set out to satisfy that thirst. Isn't that just like mankind? You know, when there's, there's, the, there's an unsatisfied thirst in the heart of every man, and they will set out to satisfy that with something. Um, but if a sheep is not led to still waters or good water, they'll go to potholes, puddles, uh, where they can pick up parasites and, and disease. And uh, it kind of reminds me of the prodigal son, you know, who's left feeding in the hog pen. Uh, and, of course, we can, the, the parallel is we, we draw our contentment, our satisfaction, we satisfy our thirst, from the word of God. Matthew 5, 6 says, uh, 
<clears throat> Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verse 9, the psalmist said, Psalm 107, 9, For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. He satisfieth the hungry soul, and filleth the, hungry, the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. And so, you know, we need to find our, our satisfaction. We need to find it, but it can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, satisfaction, true satisfaction can only be found in a right relationship with the Lord. Man is a spirit being. And that spirit craves fellowship with God who made it. Men will deny it, try to deny it, but, but it's, it's the truth that we need to uh, understand. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 21, uh, 29, Come unto me, all you that have labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon it and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Again, speaks of satisfaction. In John chapter 4, speaking to the Samaritan woman, Jesus said in verses 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. She said, more, give me this water. You know, she, she was living the lifestyle looking for satisfaction in, in relationships. She had five husbands and the one she had wasn't her husband, just like many today, looking for satisfaction. And so she said, Nevermore, give me this water. John 6, uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. So he is the one who can satisfy. Paul said in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be hungry and I know how to be full. I know how to be in need and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ. So I can be hungry, and I can be full, and I can abound, and I can have need, all by the power or the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, need, we need to go to the still waters, the word of God. The shepherd leads us to the still waters where we can find satisfaction for our soul and for our spirits. You know, man looks to entertainment, amusements, pleasures, but those are all simp simply unfulfilling temporary emotional pleasures. You know, they're just, you know, there's pleasure in sin for a season, just for a moment, just while, it, while, the, while the sin lasts. That's it. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 2.13, for, I, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so he is the, he is the fountain of living water. And we need to go to him uh, for our satisfaction, to be satisfied, to have our thirst satisfied. So he leadeth me beside the still waters. He also, it says, he restoreth my soul. You know, one of the jobs of a shepherd is to restore, quote, cast, unquote, sheep. Now, 
that word cast, <clears throat> you know, picture this, it, it has a meaning. Picture uh, uh, you, uh, or yo, whatever, how you pronounce that, I'm not sure, I think it's yo, but anyway, uh, female sheep, heavy with lambs, and she lies down, or she may be fat, and lots of wool, or heat, could be a heat. And they lie down, and they're heavy, and they lay down on their side. And then they can't get back up. They can't get back up, save their soul. They're just, they're, they're just stuck there. They have no way of getting back up on their feet. And if they're left there indefinitely, they'll be found dead. They'll be found dead. You know, sometimes in life, we get overwhelmed. We feel like we're going to die. Psalm 42, verse 11, the psalmist must have been thinking about this when he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. So he's pictures of a person that's really cast down. They're depressed. I remember a preacher saying one time that he went through a, 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 a time of depression. He, felt, he said he felt like he was in a, a quart jar, and he could, only, he could almost reach the top, but he just couldn't get out. It was cast down. You know, why, why is it we fall or we get cast down? Well, there's several reasons we could, we could get cast down. Uh, sometimes we get too sure of ourselves. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore, let, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, sometimes we get too sure of ourselves and we fall. We fall flat in our face. We fail the Lord. Sometimes it's just because... <clears throat> Or a sheep likes the, a, a soft, easy spot that's rounded. You know, they'll go to, they'll find a little, little rounded place in, in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the, in the ground, and it's just nice place to lay down, and it forms, you know. But then they can't get out of it. In Amos, chapter six. Amos chapter 6, <clears throat> excuse me, the prophet Amos said to the children of Israel, woe to them that are at ease in Zion, and trust in the mountains of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came, pass you unto Calno and see, from thence go ye to Hamath the great, then go down to Gath of the Philistines, be they better than these kingdoms, or their borders greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near, that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that chant to the sound of the vial and invent themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. See, the picture of Israel was they were at ease. They had everything they could want. They had beds of ivory. These were people of wealth. How many people you know have ivory beds? 
You know, I've been in some really nice houses lately in the Chapel Hill area. There's only shower doors. But I still haven't seen any ivory beds. You know, they were at ease. They were comfortable with themselves and their, their way of life. And they could care less. They didn't care about the sin that was in their midst or that they were committing. They were comfortable. Unaware of their needs. And, you might say, uncaring. You know, a sheep will lay down in that little conclave in the ground and unaware that it would mean death if left without the intervention of the shepherd. Sometimes we can we might go the easy way and it may not end up being the best way. It may be the most difficult way or the costliest way. It could also mean too much wool and too much wool depicts the old life and and uh, <clears throat> you know a high priest was not allowed to wear wool in the holy of holies. Wool depicts the old life. Self-indulgent, acclamation of things that can overwhelm us. You know, Hebrews 12 talks about the sin, the weights, and the sin that thus so easily beset us. You know, we, we can allow so many things into our lives, they become like weeds in a garden. You know what weeds, you know what weeds are good for? Weeds are good for stealing the fertilizer or the nutrients of the soil from your plants. That's what they're good for. They're like the parasites. That, you know, they have no purpose, but they have to be pulled. They have to be gotten rid of. Or they'll do much damage. You know, sometimes the acclamation of things can overwhelm us. Or we can lose hope. Uh, And so... So as a shepherd, you know, he restores their soul. Uh, he, is, he goes out and looks for them and, 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 and rescues the sheep that is cast down and uh, watches over his, his sheep. Uh, they, they can become too fat, you know, fat and flourishing. You know, uh, it, it could be too successful financially. Uh, you know, some some sometimes people do well in business, and they've arrived. They have a sense of self assurance. I don't need God anymore. And that's a real danger. In Revelation chapter three, the the church at Laodicea, they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. And Paul warned them in in First uh, Timothy chapter six. He warned about this danger. You know, there's nothing wrong with having having riches. But there's a danger in that. First uh, Timothy 6, verse 17, he says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that to be not high-minded, nor trust in certain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So, so there's, a, there's a danger there of becoming... Uh, financially uh, well off, and so uh, you know it could be the you know fat and flourishing, and so he says I, he he restores my soul. The shepherd goes out and 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 resets the cast sheep. 
Let's notice also, he leadeth me, verse verse uh, 3, we read on here, it says, He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, sheep, like people, I was talking about this a little bit last night with my brother-in-law, talking about you know, habits and, and, and you know, success in the Christian life is you need to make it a habit. And it becomes second nature to you. You know, if you can get somebody started to church, like I say, if you can get somebody started to coming to church, challenge them, and, and after, if they keep coming for six months, guess what? They're likely just to automatically keep doing it. Uh, and sheep are creatures of habit. They have their favorite spots they like to eat. They have their favorite trails they like to walk on. But there's only one problem with that. If you leave them to themselves, they'll chew the grass right down to the ground and pull the roots out. Well, they'll wear trails and ruin the pasture. And so they have to be led to new, on new trails. They have to be led to new pastures, constantly being moved. Uh, and, and we ought not be content where we are, but we ought to be endeavoring to constantly move forward to grow in our Christian life. To lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, Christian growth is not a one-time deal. It's a continual thing until we get to glory. Remember it was Jabez in First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. He said, he asked the Lord to enlarge his coast. And Paul told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6, he said, be enlarged. In other words, grow. Grow. Be more profitable to the Lord. Grow. Uh, enlarge. Enlarge your useful. So we ought to be challenging ourselves, and we ought to be challenged continually to grow, to stretch ourselves in our walk with the Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing. You know, there's a, there's a certain truth that we ought to be content with the Lord. But we ought to be not we ought not to be content in our growth. We want to continually move forward. To learn new things. To continually be putting off things of the old man and putting on the things of the new man. And that's a continual process. Uh, and and it'll, it'll, it'll never end until we get to glory. You know, uh, we ought to be stretching ourselves. Um, you know, I, this I just thought of, thought of today. You know, are, what do you, how do you prepare yourself for the services, for the, for the assembly? Do you come prepared? Have you prayed for the services? Prayed for the teachers? Prayed for the pastors? Rested early? There's mental preparation? You know, to get the most out of a service, there has to be some preparation. There has to be some preparation. And so uh, we need to consistently stretch ourselves, lead ourselves into paths of righteousness. And the Lord always leads us in right paths. Now, when we think about those paths, I want you to notice what verse 4 is. And this is a path. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, this is often quoted at funerals. That's not really the primary interpretation. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, 
they comfort me. Now this is talking about the mountain meadows, what we'd know as the mountain meadows. You know, summer begins to move in. Sheep are, are, are taken up the mountain. And in the, in the midst of the mountains, there's these mountain valleys where the most nourishing grass grows. Where those fresh streams are. It's in the mountain valleys. But also in the mountains are the most predators, the greatest dangers, the most violent of storms. Storms can sweep in quickly in those mountains. You know, just, just, in, just in a heartbeat, a storm can sweep in. And it can turn from rain in July to snow in July. But in those valleys of those mountains is where the luscious grass is. For the sheep. It speaks to us of the way through trials, the hardships, the uphills, the storms of life. And yet it's in those storms of life that we find our relationship with the Lord most precious. And we learn. You know, David said in Psalm 119, uh, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Through the storms of life, he learned God's statutes. It's, it's in those times, in those mountain valleys, that we learn to trust God. You know, people like to talk about being on the mountaintop. Well, you can't, there's nothing on the mountaintop to eat. You can't grow anything on the mountaintop. It's in the valleys where we really live. And, of course, this speaks of the presence of God, uh, presence of God with us. You know, think about Paul in his life and his ministry. In Acts 14, he was left for dead. In 2 Corinthians 1, he talked about being, having the sentence of death himself. In first, or 2 Timothy 4, he talked about no man stood with me, but he said, the Lord sustained me. And so those mountain meadows are places of where the presence of God manifests itself in a real and, and powerful way. But yet it's the most difficult. But it's there, he said, the rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod speaks of authority, power, discipline, also protection. It was used to correct the sheep. When there was a wayward sheep going out of the way, a shepherd may throw his rod. And that rod whistling through the air would turn that sheep back. Or sometimes, if a, sheep, if a sheep kept going astray, he may take that rod and break a leg. Usually it was a lamb that would do that. He might take that rod and break a leg and then carry it until that leg healed. And then that sheep would never leave his side again. You know, Proverbs 11, or 3, 11, 12 says that we ought not to, uh, my son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a, as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Uh, so the Lord does correct us. He used the rod to protect him. 
the sheep. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 11 um, says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that my night not sin against thee. Philip Keller tells a story in his book on the, uh, the, the 23rd Psalm that he was in Africa one time photographing elephants. And he had a, a herdsman from the Mosea tribe, I think it was called, uh, with him, guiding him. And they were up on a hill, and they were looking down in the bush, and there was a herd of elephants in the bush. And he said this herdsman had his club, his rod with him. And he said, so they wanted to, to spook these elephants out of the bush so they get clear pictures. So they, they decided to push this big rock and, and make it fall down the hillside. And he said, they're pushing this big rock up, and all of a sudden a cobra uh, sticks up his head, and he's ready to strike. And he said, quick as a flash, that herdsman, whack! He said, I understood then the protection of the rod. Even though we were pushing with all our might in that big rock, he never left that rod out of his hand. And he killed that cobra. It's a source of protection. The psalmist in Psalm 17.4 talks about, a lot about keeping his word or have been kept by his word. Psalm 17.4 says, Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. By the word of thy lips, I have kept me. It has protected me from the paths of the destroyer. In chapter 18, verse 21, For I have kept the ways of the Lord, have not wickedly departed from my God. Verse 23 I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Uh, chapter 30 and verse 3. Chapter 30 and verse 3. He says, O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. You know, in even in Revelation 30, verse 10, the, 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 the Lord said to the church at Philadelphia, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. See, the word, the word of God is a protection to us. It protects us. You know, this book will either, you know, this, this book has the power to keep you from sin. And so we need to make it a part of our meditation of our thoughts. The rod was also used to inspect the sheep. He was, the shepherd would take the rod and, 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 and separate the wool and look at the skin of the, of the, of the sheep and, and you know, push the wool back and inspect it uh, for, for problems. And the Word of God inspects us. In Psalm 119, verse... Uh, uh, well, what, what, uh, look at Psalm 26 first. Psalm 26 and verse 2, he says, Examine me, O Lord. Prove me. Try my reins and my heart. In Psalm 119, verses 23 and 24. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, how does God search us? How does God search us? He doesn't speak from heaven audibly. We don't hear his voice. How does he search us? Well, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two of the sword. 
piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirits, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God searches our hearts. It searches us. It inspects us. It inspects us. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war at the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, the word of God inspects us and it casts down those thoughts that are wicked. So it's a source of inspection. It's also our God. Our guide. Uh, you know, he says, They all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. They rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 5 says, The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In John chapter 16, you know, Jesus told them that, the, that he'd send the spirit of truth who would guide them into all truth. 1717, thy word is truth. It is a guide. The word of God is a guide to us. You know, sometimes the, 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 the shepherd would take you know, his crook, and he, you know, there might be a little lamb that got separated from its mother. Or while they're even giving birth, maybe many giving birth, and he may be going around hooking those little lambs up with that thing and, and setting them right next to the mother because if they... If they get too close to another sheep and it, and they smell different than mama does, she won't feed them. She won't feed them. So he'll take that crook and move them where they need to be. Direct them as to where to go. The psalmist said in Psalm 25, verse 5, Lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Now again in verse 10, he said, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. In Psalm 27, verse 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. See, the word of God is our guide and our stay. It gives us direction for life for life and godliness. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And so, the, 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 though we though go through that valley, we need not fear, for he is with us. In fact, in verse 5, he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Uh, you know, again, we're talking about the mountain plateaus where the sheep graze in the summer. Rest, get the best grazing part of the year. But there's much work, of course, to prepare those places. But, and it is the most fruitful places for the sheep is in those mountain valleys. But as I said, it's also the most dangerous. The storms, the predators. And so there's great dependence upon the shepherd. And he says, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou preparest a table before me 
in the presence of mine enemies. So that's where the most the the the, the most predators are. Let me ask you a question. Who was the cause of Paul's troubles? You ever think about it? Who was the cause of Paul's troubles? Or why did Paul have all those tribulations? Is it, it, was, it was the people whom he was trying to reach. And the places the Lord sent him. You know, he's in the midst of his enemies. We are in the midst of our enemies. God sends us out into the world in the midst of our enemies, if you will. We may not always we, we may not look at look at them like enemies. Paul didn't look at them as enemies, but he said to the Jews, they are enemies of the gospel. They are enemies of the gospel. And yet he tried to reach them with the gospel. And the Lord prophesied that this would be so. For example, in John chapter 15, he told the disciples, if the world hate you, John 15, 18, if the world hate ye, you know they hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And so we are in the midst of our enemies. God's prepared a table, again, those mountain valleys that are the most fertile places for the sheep, the most fruitful, where they'll gain the most weight and make the best wool. It's in the mountain valleys. You know, we can't reach anybody if we don't go to them. We have to go out in the midst of our enemies. And so he's prepared a table. You know, a table speaks of a meal. It's the idea of a meal table. Provision. You know, Paul said, to one we're the savor of life, to another we're the savor of death. You know, he's talking about in the presence of the Lord's enemies, of our shepherd's enemies. But if we're going to multiply ourselves... That's where we have to go. That's where the Lord has named for us to go. And, and, and so, but we also have assurance that the Lord will provide for us. You know, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I am with thee. If you, if you look at John chapter 16, and this is after he said, you know, in, for example, let's go to John 16 verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you. That you do not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Jay, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. There's been a lot of people put to death by people who thought they were doing God's service. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. And I drop down to verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him, send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say in you, but you cannot bear them now. 
How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you unto all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. So even in the midst of our enemies, he's, he spread us a table. Remember he said, John, what was the last thing you said in Matthew 28? 28 and verse 20. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know, in the presence of the enemy is also the place of opportunity. You know, any time, I remember a, a situation one time we were in Maryland. Uh, there was a, some things said uh, by a certain individual who was very influential, which weren't right. And I thought to myself, I should talk to him about that. Then what's it my business? Because when you do confront somebody about something, there's, there's two ways it could be received. Number one, it can be received. Or number two, you can be rejected. You have to be willing to take that risk. If you want to see, if you want the opportunity to see fruit, you have to take the risk. I took the risk, and he responded in a positive way. Praise the Lord. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you're... You know, you're rebuffed, and and, and you get the, you can get easily get discouraged. But in the presence of them is also the place of opportunity, where the predators are. They're there. Not only is there predators, there's flies and mosquitoes, there's pests. As I heard, uh, preacher friend fellow preacher I knew up in Pennsylvania said one time he was at a, some big conference, preacher's conference in the rest of the roll office. It was in the Lester roll office to 11. Lester roll office there and he get up and he said, he said, how would all you preachers like to get rid of all your problems? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, get rid of all your people. He said, it got real quiet. Got real quiet. You know, if you, if you try to work with people, you're going to face problems, disappointments, discouragement. But it's also the place of opportunity. You may only get one out of ten or one out of a hundred. But it's a place of opportunity. And so we must not give up. We must not quit. Because he's prepared a table for us in the presence of of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Of course, that speaks of the Spirit of God that empowers us, the influence of the Spirit of God that will empower us uh, to be faithful, uh, to carry on the work that He has called us to. Reminds me of what He said in Luke, you know, when He said, you know, don't think beforehand what you're going to say. Set out in your hearts not to premeditate. Well, I, I, I will, you know, direct your, your, your mouth and all that. So, so it speaks of the Spirit of God. 
uh, anointing our head with oil, and our cup runneth over. Uh, So we find here that even in the, the valleys of the mountains, the place of opportunity is the place of also the most difficulties, the tribulations, the trials, the tests that we face in life. Uh, But the Lord is there to protect us. He says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, We, you know, though we face trials and tests in life, and we go through the storms of life, he's promised never to leave us, nor forsake us. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. You know, his goodness and his mercy is forever with us. And as he said in Luke 21, as I made, just made reference to in verses 12 through 19, he says, before all these, he was talking about there's going to be the end times, nations shall rise against nation and, kingdom, and against kingdoms and earthquakes in diverse places. But he said, before all these, they shall lay hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for name's sake. It shall turn to you for a testimony. Set up therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. You see, the Lord can provide for us. And he says in verse 19, verse 18 19, But there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your soul. So though you go through the valley, you're in the valley, the place of opportunity, but the place also of great tribulation. Bear patiently the trials and storms of life. Possess your soul. Don't give up. Hold fast. As the church told, told the churches of the, of the book of Revelation, hold fast thou which thou hast. Let no man take thy crown. We can be victorious because the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Don't be discouraged. We have the Spirit of God to go with us. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Paul told the church of Corinth, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You know, Peter talked about the trials and the tests of life that would come. First Peter chapter 5, he, in verse 7, he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Possess your souls. Resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in the world, in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Yes, our shepherd is sufficient. He can protect us. He can provide us with wisdom. He can provide us with strength. Encourage 
to go through the battles of life, to face the predators that are out there to discredit and discourage us. You know, he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the A to Z of life. He is all sufficient. And we are complete in him. And so we need to simply trust him. Be content with him. Follow him. Dwell or abide with him. He is our shepherd that will never leave us nor forsake us. And he will succor us. He helpeth our infirmities. We just need to rest and trust in him and follow him even into those places where we really don't want to go. You know, the sheep really don't want to go up that mountain. They'd rather just stay on those familiar, well-worn trails because it's easier, but it's not as fruitful. It's not as beneficial. It's not as productive. It's up the mountain valleys where they produce, where they are productive. And so we must allow God to lead us in those places that are many times uncomfortable. But yet, they are the places of opportunity for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge it gives to us, the encouragement, and the comfort. Father, I pray you help us just to be obedient, to follow our, our, our great shepherd. Uh, to be willing to sacrifice, to toil, to endure the hardships of a good soldier of Jesus Christ, that we might be productive in your service. And we'll just thank you and praise you. We pray in Jesus' name.